Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman podcast, episode number 128. I am your host, Bill Stahl, and uh, we are returning to the Monday Power Plays. Uh, Thank you for your patience while I was uh, out on vacation. I got to visit with my family for the first time since Thanksgiving of 2019, since we are all vaccinated and we could go spend a week hanging out at the beach in Tybee Island, Georgia, where it was Really nice to uh, obviously be with family as well as uh, see sand and ocean as opposed to snow here in Colorado. So um, also had a computer repair to do. So uh, back in business here and so returning to the Monday power play. And today I want to talk about positivity. You hear me always uh, sign off by saying always be positive. Being positive is a major part of my life. Um, I it is something that I think has really helped me get through this pandemic year we've had, as well as a lot of other issues that have gone on. And I think there is no substitute for keeping a positive attitude at all times. And I grew up in New York City area uh, on Long Island. And, um, you know, I think New Yorkers are very much uh, perceived as being pessimistic. I think we think sometimes we're pessimistic. After all, we deal with lousy weather, crowds, rude people. Uh, we got some lousy sports teams that, that drive us crazy all the time. I think as a New York sports fan, we find it's better to be pessimistic and then be pleasantly surprised if the team does well, rather than get our hopes up and be all rah-rah the way like Denver Bronco fans are here, thinking that the team is good when really they stink. But uh, in New York, we tend to go with a more uh, pessimistic view. But I think deep down, New Yorkers are actually optimistic. In, in reality, uh, you know, we, we see opportunities. We see ways to overcome the uh, humid weather, getting splashed by a, a, a truck driver driving past, uh, getting flipped off by a cabbie, whatever it is. I, I think deep down, New Yorkers are optimistic. But Personally, uh, I, I think it was always within me, but I, I didn't really find a way to bring it out. Um, didn't really feel that, even though I, I think I always have been positive, I, I think I, I really needed to kind of bring it to the surface, if, if you know what I mean. And so um, I think one of the uh, things that made one of the biggest impacts on me occurred um, about eight probably about eight years ago now, may eight to 10 years, uh, my good friend, Paul Bradley, a running friend, a co-worker at a software company I was at, uh, he developed uh, pancreatic cancer. And uh, anybody who, if you know anybody's had pancreatic cancer, it's not a good type of cancer. Very few good outcomes there. But uh, Paul fought a, a valiant fight. And I last spoke with Paul about three weeks before he passed away. And I was amazed at his great attitude. And I I said to him, like, you know that you are, you know, it's over. I mean, they'd already given up treatment and he had weeks, if not days to live. And his comment to me was, why have a bad attitude? It doesn't help. And I, you know, why not have a good attitude? And I, it just, at the time, it blew me away. I, I couldn't fathom that for the longest time. And I'm talking about years. I still was trying to figure out how on earth could this guy be in the situation that he was in where he knew he was going to be, like I say, days, weeks away and have a great attitude. 
And it really, it hit me hard. It gave me, a, like I say, a lot of food for thought. It took me a long time to work that one through. And I will come back to Paul's story later on. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a cross-country team I coached. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was coaching at Platte Canyon High School up in Bailey, Colorado. It's a school, a small school. Uh, I think it has about 250 students in it. And located in the mountains, about 8,000 feet. Beautiful place. So all of our training was on mountain trails around there. And, um, you know, just uh, I reminded the kids every day that how lucky they were to be able to train there. Because whereas at other schools in the city I'd been at, it used to be a major f- field trip to go train in, in places as beautiful as we got to run on uh, around Bailey. Um, these kids got to do that every day. So, you know, it was a great situation. And so... Um, second year I was there or first year I was there, I should say the, uh, girls team had the entire team had one individual qualify for the state meet one girl. And the uh, following year, uh, we, we did drop down in classification, which helped, uh, we became a two A school and that meant we were in a classification where three runners, uh, would run, uh, run for scoring purposes. Well, our team that year only had four girls on it. So, as I told the girls at the very beginning of the season, we can't afford anybody to get hurt. We only have four girls, three score. And at the very beginning, I put several goals on a chalkboard. And it was a very old building we were in. And we had a chalkboard. And I wrote three goals that stayed up on that chalkboard the entire year. First one was league, basically league, uh, league or regionals, basically. Um, second one was have the highest GPA grade point average of any fall sport in the school. And third one was state. And I know the kids looked at me, they thought, uh, okay, coaches off his rocker a little bit, but, you know, we will, you know, they'll play along with me, basically, I think is the way it went. So uh, we got into the first meet of the year, and it was a meet that we hosted on our home course, about 8,000 feet, tough course, beautiful course, one of the most beautiful courses in the state of Colorado, great views of the mountains, uh, true trail running course, uh, rocks and um, uneven terrain, uh, like I say, the kind of cross country I appreciate, not the mamby-pamby stuff that runs on pavement somewhere. And our girls won. And actually, our girls came in first or second every single meet we ran that season. The irony, or what was incredulous, though, was that um, in the rankings that take place on MileSplit, which is a website that covers cross-country and track in in Colorado as well as in many other states, um, we were barely ranked. In fact, there were a lot of times when we would win meets and our ranking would go down. And, you know, we just kind of laughed ourselves that we were basically flying under the radar the whole year. Um, even in the big 800-pound gorilla of a meet, Liberty Bell, which is uh, the largest meet in, in the region, uh, gets schools from other states coming in, we were the second uh, school in, in our classification in the meet, and yet our, our, our ranking went down after that. So uh, we got very little respect, and so we had a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, um, we we talked all the time about the fact we train at 8,000 feet and, you know, we're going to use that altitude advantage because a lot of the meets are going to take place at lower elevation. And um, when it came down to our league meet, uh, our league meet was actually in Leadville 
Lake County High School hosted it. And uh, about, so we were above 10,000 feet for that meet. But many of the schools in our league come from, you might say sea level, they, they come from uh, the Denver Front Range area. So they're around 5,280 feet. So we do have an advantage at that elevation, even though we're competing against uh, a school that, that uh, we're competing at a level higher than ours and against a school that runs higher than ours. And we, we won our league meet. Our, our girls crushed it there. Um, the next week we ran regionals and we were sent to a region very far away. We were actually sent out onto the Eastern Plains to Rocky Ford, Colorado, which a, a town's very famous for growing melons. Uh, Rocky, Mount, Rocky Ford cantaloupes are some of the best um, cantaloupes you'll ever taste, but uh, they're at an elevation of about 4,000 feet. And so we, we made the van ride out to Rocky Ford. It was actually an overnight trip because they're so far away. And it was great when we got off the van and the kids were like, literally like, wow, coach, this is amazing. We can breathe down here. And so um, we, we got down, ran at Rocky Ford the next day and um, we crushed it. Uh, we won our regional. Uh, there was a little bit of a controversy. Um, where my lead girl was actually led off the course by some, uh, some parents who were on the course. She ended up having to double back. And so she actually ran further than everybody else. She had a minute lead at, at the time, but ended up uh, ruled to have won the race. And we went on to the state meet. And uh, the state meet is in Colorado Springs. It's uh, roughly 6,000 feet. So again, we are coming down in elevation when we run at, uh, at Colorado Springs at the state meet. And, uh, you know, all year we had run on really hilly courses. We went to the most challenging courses we could. We ran a lot of races at eight, 9,000 feet on, on Nordic ski trail type of race courses. And um, we got down to the state meet and I'd prepped the uh, kids on the team. We, we actually, our girls team qualified. We also had two boys qualify as individuals. And I had prepped the kids to let them know that there was one hill on the course. It's known as Big Willis. And uh, as we walked the course... I was thinking to myself, wow, this is really nothing of a hill compared to what these kids have been running on all year. And it was really funny because just then one of the kids chimed in and said, hey, coach, that was a really good joke you told us about there being a hill on this course. And yeah, for these kids, this was a flat course. A lot of kids from the front range, they cringe. They think this is an unfairly hilly course. My contention's always been, we're in Colorado. We should be running on a on a challenging course. But in any case, to our kids, it was nothing. Our girls ran a great race that day. Uh, they came in second in the state and got a big trophy. I mean, the trophy was huge. It was almost as tall as the shortest girl we have on our team. And of course, the kids had a great time passing the trophy around. The team that beat us, I, I th thought we might have a shot at them. Alliance High School is an 800-pound gorilla in the 2A classification. And they would have had to have had a bad day and us have a great day for us to beat them. In the end, Lions ran well, deserved their title. But our girls came in second. And uh, like I say, it was really pretty thrilling. And um, being in a small town, we have a couple of newspapers that cover us. And it was great because in the newspaper, a couple of weeks later, one of the girls on our team was quoted as saying, yeah, when coach wrote those goals on the chalkboard at the beginning of the season, we thought he was crazy nuts out of his mind. And in the end, it was proven, uh, you know, that they were able to accomplish something. Uh, we did win our league and regional, as I said. We did have the highest GPA of any fall sport in the school. And, of course, we came in second in the state meet. So a huge plug towards positive thinking and what it did for those girls. Because, again, this is a team, as a reminder, had 
never fin- or had one girl even qualify for the state meet the previous year. And this was a, a, a testament to what positive thinking could do. And it's one of those things you hope carries over for these kids in everything they do. And uh, so I just wanted to make that point, how positive thinking can really make a, a huge, huge difference in an outcome. And I, I think if you can incorporate that kind of thinking, that you know, positive thinking, and the way that work with these girls, again, it built. It was like a snowball rolling down a hill. Each meet, they gained more and more confidence. They started thinking positively. They started seeing that the negative thoughts that they had, that, oh, no, this isn't possible, coach is nuts, it really um, it really changed over time. And if you keep incorporating positives, if you keep looking at every little thing you do and as an opportunity to keep advancing forward, uh, the analogy I always use, for instance, when you're running up a hill is you don't look at the top of the hill. You've got a lot of, you know, maybe these are all your uh, issues you've got to tackle in a day. You don't look at the top of the hill. You look at a point in between. You know, if when you're running up the hill, maybe you look at a tree, a stump, a rock, whatever. You get to that point give yourself a little pat on the back, you made it, and then you move on to the next landmark along the way. And each each landmark along the way, you give yourself a little pat on the back, positive attitude, you got there, and eventually you can make it to the top of that hill rather than look at a huge problem ahead. So um, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm going to come back to uh, the Paul Bradley story. Uh, it, it took me a long time, like I say, to process how Paul could possibly be so positive about the situation he was in. As I mentioned, he passed away three weeks later. And I was having a conversation with my personal trainer a couple of months ago. Her name is Stephanie. And, you know, he, here's, here's the question that I came up with is, if you knew that you only had one year from today to live, how would you change your life? What would you do differently? And it suddenly occurred to me, how, you know, Paul obviously had decided he was going to live those three weeks as best as he possibly could. Um, you know, there's, there's no reason to regret or feel sorry for yourself or feel bad that, you know, what was impending. But he was determined to live every one of his last days or weeks, whatever it was going to be, to the absolute best they were going to be. And And same thing, if you knew you had a year... Yeah, I was thinking, hey, I don't have to worry about whether my retirement money is going to hold up or not. You know, I don't have to worry about any financial things. I can just go ahead and spend my money. I could go on trips. I could spend time with people. I could, you know, basically do whatever I want. And knowing that I don't have to be planning for 10, 20, 30 years ahead, whatever it is, um, in a way, it's, it's kind of liberating. So, um, that's, it suddenly struck me, that's what was going through Paul's mind at that particular time. Now, I'm not saying that's the way you should live right now, because obviously, you know, none of us knows when the last day is going to be, or very few do, but, but certainly, if you have the attitude that you're going to want to live every day with a good attitude, because, you know, every single day, you're, you're one day closer to your last day. As Muhammad Ali once said, you know, live every day like your last day, because one of these days you're going to be right. <laughs> that that one always cracks me up a little bit, but every day you are one day closer. So why waste that one day having a bad day? There is no point to it. It doesn't help. You know, if you have, you know, even a thousand days left, you know, if you knock off one day having a, a bad day, having a bad attitude about it, that's one day out of that thousand you're not going to get back and you're down to 999. You know, whatever it is, it, it could be two days, could be 2000 days, could be 20,000 days, who knows? So 
uh, again, that lesson from Paul Bradley resonates very strongly about how you, you should have a, you know, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help to have a bad attitude. You might as well have a good attitude. I'll continue talking about positivity in a later power play, but really appreciate your listening today. Thank you again for listening to the We Are Superman podcast. In coming weeks, I'll be making an announcement about the Unfuck Your Fridge Challenge to help you adopt a better eating health style and improve your health. Also, please contact me if, like many people during this pandemic, you have written a book and are looking for editing or proofreading services to ensure that it goes to press perfectly written, without typos, misspellings, and grammatical errors. Nothing destroys your book's credibility more than poor writing and editing. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute and give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. These five-star ratings help us rise higher in the podcast services search algorithms, helping more people find our show. The We Are Superman podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. And please drop me a note. Let me know what you think of the We Are Superman podcast. Your feedback is important because I'd like to keep providing content that is meaningful to you on a similar kind of level that David was able to provide to you. Until next time, get your vaccinations so we can all get back to the people and things we love and always be positive.